welcome to a brand new podcast. We are Total Pod Mode. My name is Will and I'm joined here by my good friend James. What's up you crazy cats and dogs? So I go by Hoodafunk on Twitch, that's W-H-O-D-A-H-F-U-N-K. And James? And I go by Mr. Bames, that's James with a B, all one word, Mr. Bames. That's Twitter, at Mr. Bames, and my Twitch is Mr. Bames underscore TPM. We're available on all of the popular social media platforms, YouTube, Twitter, TikTok, Reddit, and Discord. We look very much forward to interacting with our listeners on those platforms. So with all that said, I suppose we might as well break into our first topic, which is the weekly catch-up. James, why don't you go ahead and hit us up with the uh, handful of games that you've been playing in the last week. We spoke a little bit before the podcast, and I'm looking forward to hearing what you have in store. Yeah, absolutely. It'd be my pleasure. So uh, last week I finished Code Vein, which I actually started about a year ago um, and left it for ages and ages and ages for some reason, but then just went back and finished it. And once I'd finished it, I sort of I was in that sort of weird space you get when you finish quite a deep game where I didn't know what to do next. So I ended up playing a bunch of different games. Tell me a little bit about Code Vein first. I want to hear some more about that. It's a title that I see often on the shelves of uh, secondhand copies of Code Vein going around, but it's a game that I've never actually picked up myself. So why don't you start with a little about that? Yeah, no problem. I'd thoroughly recommend picking it up if you've never played it before. Um, I think the easiest description of it is Anime Souls. It's it's very much a Souls-like game, um, but, you know, built for weebs, basically. Um, particularly for you, you love a good character creation suite, don't you? You love to take your time and make like a really, really nice characters. It's honestly one of the most comprehensive character creation suites that is available, I'd say. Um, but aside that, it's, you know, it's your sort of typical Souls-like fare, but it's more companion-based. You, you are meant to have a partner with you the whole time in terms of the scaling, although you can still play it solo. Um, but yeah, it follows the Souls-like formula. You go around, uh, you essentially find bonfires that they're not called bonfires, defeat all the enemies, gain experience, you rest the bonfires, a lot of them come back to life, hard bosses. Um, and it's actually got, a, I thought it had a very engaging story. I was surprised at how into it I got, to be fair. Uh, combat's pretty fluid, not quite as fluid as Souls games, but you know, still decent. How does the combat work? Is it kind of your typical hack and slash or is it uh, a bit more Dark Souls style? You mentioned bonfires, so I'm immediately thinking Dark Souls. Um, it, it's not as smooth, I'd say, but you know, you, you have your combat roles, you have your weak and strong attacks that you can combo together. You have various different weapon styles, but you also, you have a lot more. I mean, I mean it, if you think the weapon arts in Elden Ring, there's quite a few of them that you can do and unlock. And the, the way it's very, it's quite a vague way that they do the mechanics in the game, but you can, so you, you, you don't have a class as such, but you unlock blood codes, they're called, and then you can sort of use abilities from different classes. And then there's a, there's a hidden mechanic that isn't told to you called field mechanics, whereby you can use, you can master a power from a certain class and then you can use it on another class if they have the correct attributes to be able to use it. So you can sort of make your own custom class in a way. But um, yeah, it works like that. And tell me a little bit more about the character creation. Is <laughs> this kind of like a, a bit more towards Skyrim? I'm intrigued. As you said before, I absolutely do love a good character creator. Yeah. Um, is it kind of, does it give you that sort of WWE type freedom or unlocked sliders or sort of, you know, 
How does it function? It's more similar it, to Skyrim. It's very much more like WWE sort of old school wrestling things, like you say. Millions of like literally millions of options. Well, probably not literally millions, but there's plenty of options for you to use. Like, um, so think of all your sort of typical anime fare with like the different eye styles, different hairstyles. Uh, you can also get accessories that you can put on your clothing and things like that. So you could you could put angel wings on. You can do hair extension bits that you can put anywhere on the body. So you can really sort of you know, there's one meme I've seen going around that's a, a Sonic the Hedgehog type deal that's made in Code Vein. It's got when you can put hair extensions going all the way down the back. So you can do all sorts of stuff. Um, you can put a bag over your head if you want. You know, it's great. And most importantly, Will, boob sliders. Boob sliders, really. Is there endowment sliders as well? we got to have, you know, is there's... So what do they title that slider? Because I think Saints Row goes with Sex Appeal, I think yeah, is was, the title yeah. of Saints Row. Yeah. yeah. Um, Conan... Uh, goes for endowment i'm pretty is, sure yeah. um but to answer your question um i'm not sure on the male character to be honest but the character i did play was male but i don't remember it being there i think with female it's just chest just chest. yeah i, I think There's it's no... so you know the male would have it too but it would be obviously not as pronounced i could be wrong i could be wrong and maybe i need to spend more time in that character creator but no so um as i was as i was going back to uh what I've been doing. Uh, when I finished Codevame, I had that sort of vacuum where I didn't really know what to do with myself. So I ended up playing quite a lot of games. Um, I played a little bit of Darkest Dungeon, uh, which for anyone that isn't aware is a roguelike game where you have a party of people that you take into dungeons. Um, and it kind of, the combat sort of functions like a JRPG, but there's a stress mechanic, which is quite interesting. How does the stress mechanic affect gameplay? So basically, you have to keep torches lit because if it gets too dark, then you're sort of your characters essentially get scared, and they, and it can lead them to developing negative traits like um, masochism or fear or um, I'm trying to think of another one that like you know um, irritable or abusive and things, and they just and it can then demoralize the rest of your team members and at too much stress when you get to low health, can actually lead you to have a heart attack and die. So it really works out. It's quite an interesting mechanic. It sounds like an interesting one. It's um, a fear mechanic is definitely things that I've experienced before playing other games. Um, but it sounds like this one, given the fact that it actually kills you, kind of will affect the gameplay a lot, lot more. I mean, I'm trying to think of some older titles. Haunting Grounds, which was a Capcom game. Um, they had a, it, it was very similar to a Resident Evil title, but they had a much bigger emphasis on, on fear and avoiding enemies. You were, to my knowledge, very sort of restricted in terms of the, uh, the guns and things like that you would use. You just didn't have them. It was mostly, you had command of a dog that was your main sort of distraction tool slash offensive tool that was only really used to delay enemies and then the other one i think was eternal darkness on the game that's the one i'm aware of i wasn't aware of the other one but eternal darkness i've heard of yeah yeah and that one is a game that i haven't played very much did you ever get around to playing that no i didn't play it no but i think i've seen uh videos or read articles about it isn't it the one that, is that the one that has the insanity meter as well that's right. I think that, yeah, I, I think I'm probably misremembering that. I think that it was the insanity meter rather than the fear meter. But... It's a similar sort of thing, though. 
it gets too high, it can affect your gameplay. And it's, it's really interesting. Uh, also, another game that occurs to me is Amnesia as well. That probably applies more specifically to what we're talking about because uh, avoiding darkness sounds like it's kind of a, a core mechanic of, of that game. No, yeah, it's, it's, it's really cool stuff. And, you know, I, I do quite like a roguelite. And um, this one's it's a really interesting one. You know, don't get too attached to your characters. They will die. Um, but you can level them up. And if they survive, then, you know, they obviously get stronger and that can really help out. But um, it is, and it's got the standard fare of you can find a boss and suddenly your whole team gets completely wiped and you have to start again. Brutal, unforgiving, but very, very fun if you're in the mood for that sort of thing. It's kind of part and parcel of a, a roguelite to sort of accept those factors. So it definitely sounds like uh, something that people would enjoy if they're into those sorts of games. It's a game that I've been meaning to pick up for quite some time as well. I really like the look of the art style, uh, the characters, um, quite like black, thick, heavy lines, yeah. uh, and everything seems quite oppressive in terms of the art style, I would say. It definitely fits the style of the game massively. The art style makes it a lot more... Um sort of a lot more engaging it's very it's very lovecraftian very sort of um gothic it's really cool really cool how does the combat function in that game uh, so as i briefly mentioned it's kind of like an RP a jrpg you you select your move and you whatever move it might be it can hit various points because you have um you have a team of four and they line up horizontally across the screen so you have front two middles and a back and depending on where you are in your formation and where and what moves you have selected, because you can choose, I think, from eight different moves, but you can have four or something like that. Um, you can hit various points in the enemy formation. Um, and the other cool thing that's quite quite nice mechanic is if you don't kill someone with a critical hit or by like bleed or poison damage, for example, their corpse will stay in the formation and and it can then be attacked, but it can block them like the rest of their formation coming forward. But it, which can screw you over because it means you might not be able to hit one of the enemies, but it can also act as a buffer, meaning they might not be able to use some of their moves. So there's some good, ta there's some interesting tactical stuff you can do in it. But um, as I say, because I was flitting around between so many games, I probably only put a couple of hours into it. But you know, sometimes that's all you need from a roguelite. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, as someone who's kind of dabbled in them very vaguely, um, they're the sort of things that I do enjoy to play, but usually for quite short periods of time it's it's a game series that i've kind of yet to become really accustomed with but um i would definitely like to check out quite a few titles that are, uh have similar kinds of concepts i think that it's just a sort of it's something that i haven't quite got used to playing as of yet yeah, me neither fully if i'm being honest with you like uh, you know i played dead cells a little bit i've played hades a little bit hades is really good fun actually um, the only other one, you know, and this is sort of completely aside, and we'll probably talk about this more another time. But Arborea, that's that's really the the main roguelite I've, I've played, and that was really good fun. But yes, um, but no. So other than that, um, I played Coffee Talk, which is a coffee brewing simulator, essentially, for lack of a better, you know, description. Uh, finished it in about three hours. I, I had finished it before on Xbox, but I've just been meaning to play it again on PC because you know it's quite a good fun little time sink, you know nothing too extreme in mechanics you just mix drinks and it's got quite a nice story so is this essentially a barista simulator it is essentially a barista simulator but with a sort of interesting plot twist that i won't say 
um play it yourself it's good fun um you know and like i say it's something you can finish you know i did two full playthroughs in three hours i was skipping through in the second playthrough like all the text and stuff but first playthrough you have to read everything um but yeah where the story goes is quite fun and there is some challenge to it because you have to learn a lot of the recipes yourself you don't get told everything but it's not it's not like difficult game and it's basically clicking not not you know it's engaging story wise but it's not too engaging mechanics wise Okay, okay, yeah, I'll have to actually give that one a look myself sort of thing. I'll try and feed back on the next episode or something. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I do recommend it. It's good fun. But the exciting thing that I've been playing, which I've literally only played probably for 40 minutes before the podcast today. Oh, wow, fresh off the the printer. Yeah, well, I mean, it's the game uh, at the time of recording, the game came out yesterday. And it's a game that I've actually been looking forward to for quite some time. And I'm not sure if you're aware of it. You may well be. It's called Thymesia. No, that one has completely slipped me by. Yeah, I mean, well, I wouldn't have heard of it if I hadn't just seen it randomly. I think it popped up on my Steam. But it's it's a Souls-like made by Team 17 of, you know, Worms fame. Oh, wow. Uh, okay. And essentially, from what I gathered so far from the hour or so I've played of it, just under an hour, um, you're a plague doctor. There's been a massive plague that has, you know, somehow devastated the population and you're sort of left to your own devices to go i i don't quite know what the story is yet but what i've done so far is i've killed a bunch of shit so <laughs> it's been fun um it's got you know sort of standard souls like mechanics once again you know you don't have light and heavy attacks but you've got a light attack but it's really interesting you can there's a, there's a mechanic whereby once you get an enemy to the staggered state where you normally execute them you can actually take their weapon in sort of a plague form and use it as a one time use but you can also kill certain enemies and they give you skill crystals that allow you to have it as a permanent weapon as well like the plague weapon so okay. you know very very new to me obviously I I'm looking forward to seeing how it develops, but have been quite hyped about it for some time. The art style is really cool. It's, I guess the mechanics are more bloodborne than Dark Souls, if I'm honest, because it doesn't have a role. It's got a quick step, which as, you, which as you know, but our viewers and listeners may not know, I adore a quick step. I like the option to have a role as well, and that has you know caught me out a couple of times, but I'm yet to die. So apart from, you know standard from soft game tutorial boss that you're not meant to beat kills you but but the chivo for getting my first death hasn't popped yet so i don't think it counts yeah absolutely i think that as long as it's a sort of a planned death then i would say you get away with scripted it. scripted death we're gonna call it yeah we'll call it scripted yeah. death. but no so i look forward to hopefully over the coming weeks and months uh, being able to provide more of an update on it because so far i'm liking what i'm seeing it sounds really intriguing. I'm a big fan of Souls games, as you know. So, um, yeah, that sounds like another one uh, alongside <laughs> the Barista Simulator Coffee Talk that I'll definitely actually have to have to give a check out. Fully recommend it, man. How about you, man? What, what, what have you been playing this week? This week I've been playing quite a mixture of titles. Uh, a good friend of both of ours recommended me to play Final Fantasy XIV online. Um, we've dabbled a little bit previously in some MMO series. Uh, we played World of Warcraft Classic again with a with a friend of ours quite recently, and I think it probably lasted all of about ten to twelve hours for me personally of gameplay. I think yeah, I think I played it a little longer. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I know I know you invested a little bit more time into it, uh, creating sort of several characters and having a bit of an experiment with. Some of the uh, more complex parts, I assume, of the of the gameplay systems, no. but not massively complex. If I'm being honest, I just wanted to be an elf as well. 
<laughs> yeah. I uh, I think I played as a orc on oh God. I mean, my memory is is absolutely awful in terms of the the sides with MMOs. Much like Final Fantasy fourteen, I've been skipping through a lot of the storyline and just kind of. I know that's probably going to drive a lot of people mad, but I'm genuinely skipping through every cutscene, every piece of dialogue. I'm hammering through. I'm just trying to get to the good good gameplay. Um, it has one of those systems where the level 60 playthrough is, it has a system where once you reach level 60, uh, your free trial ends. Right. So there's very much a, a kind of a rush to get to level 60. So far from what I've heard, uh, it essentially means that you need to get to that level before you start fighting anything really memorable. Getting to that level is taking me not very long. I mean, I'm kind of, I think I'm about level 30 now after playing for maybe two or three sessions, quite extended sessions. I couldn't give you an exact timer, but I'm quite enjoying the uh, the time that we're getting through that. Would you say it's been about 15 to 20 hours? Yeah, I would say probably about 15, maybe 15 to 20 hours for me to get to level 30. I've been mostly ignoring the side quests and progressing with the main quests. Sacrilege. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like I said, I've just been kind of trying to kind of get through that part of the game to reach the end game because that absolutely sounds like the goal in terms of where the best content lies. And um, you know, as as you know, I'm not a huge fan of MMOs. It's very much the sort of thing that I can pick up, play for a bit, and then put down. Yeah, I'm kind. Of, I'm, I think I'm more into them than you are, but I'm kind of the same. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I really do enjoy them for the time that I'm playing them, but then I do fall off quite quickly. But what I will say, um, in terms of benefits of Final Fantasy XIV over World of Warcraft Classic, well, I mean, again, as someone who's only got to level 30, I think graphics are the only really notable thing. I mean, it's your pretty standard MMO fare. You get sent out to kill... I think it's initially ladybugs and squirrels in the region that I began in. Yeah, that's about on so, point, yeah. Yep, exactly. I think it was uh, warthogs and things like that in World of Warcraft. Actually, I think warthogs are pretty cool compared to squirrels and ladybugs. Yeah, squirrels uh, and ladybugs are just cute. Why would you want to kill them? Not yeah, the warthogs are. I don't are, really get suppose, the beef. But... They are giant ladybugs. To be fair, I don't really know what that means for the ecosystem, but it means the aphids need to watch out. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's it. The giant aphids are. F- yeah, exactly. That's kind of that's the main takeaway from that. Yeah. Uh, one quick question on that Final Fantasy though: What's the combat like? Is it still MMO sort of? You select your powers and click, or is it more? I'm thinking like you know Final Fantasy. You can sort of have a bit more JRPG style pause, set your moves, do it. Is it like that, or is it similar MMO sort of combat? Uh, it's exactly what you'd expect from an MMO. Essentially, it's kind of click on the character. You initiate a phase where you are automatically attacking them with a basic attack, and from that point onwards, you're just activating various skills and using cooldowns as a way to time the different attacks that you're doing. I've got to say that's slightly disappointing from Final Fantasy. I, I don't know why I had it in my head that it might be a bit more hands-on, uh, kind of more like I don't know if you played Black Desert, but. Black Desert's an MMO but that has sort of combat like you'd expect more in a hack and slash type game where you, you're doing the inputs yourself and then you, you can do your moves and stuff rather than having set things on a on a toolbar and, and clicking and doing it. I, I don't know why I thought Final Fantasy would be like that. I haven't actually played Black Desert, but I have played Elyon, which actually sounds uh, quite similar to what you're describing. 
um, hack and slash style combat, but it still registers as an MMO. Yeah. I'm quite impressed, actually, that they managed to get that done when you consider the games that are just as popular in the MMO scene, like World of Warcraft, uh, from what little I know about the MMO scene. <laughs> Uh, it's surprising that they're still pursuing that style of combat. When games like Black Desert and Alien are actually producing games where they kind of replicate the hack and slash style as opposed to your classic MMO experience. Yeah. Shout out to Elder Scrolls Online as well. Kind of a mixture of both. Bit weird. Yeah. I've seen a lot of footage of Elder Scrolls Online and it does look really intriguing. I think I like the the look of the balance of that. It's still something I've yet to play, but I know it's something that you've played quite recently. Well, and regularly. And on Xbox, I've probably got a couple of hundred hours in it. Um, PC, about 40. I've only just really started again, but, uh, you know, I'm a sucker for Elder Scrolls. So what can I say? It was always going to happen at some point. I do agree with your point uh, about the combat, but personally, I'm always up for a little bit of click and just mash a bunch of number keys and shortcuts and hotkeys and things like that. I enjoyed the time that I play World of Warcraft in a similar way that I'm enjoying the time I'm playing this. I find it quite a relaxing game to play, but that said, I've only just scratched the surface of dungeons and things like that. I think that they're going to, well, they will require much more concentration and I will get yelled at by the people that I'm refusing to heal or not applying DPS at the right times and things like that. Well, I, th I think I know who you've been playing with, and I and I can't imagine them being like that. No, I wouldn't. No, absolutely not. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's a good crowd to play with yeah. at the moment. We're just sort of enjoying ourselves. And uh, yeah, I would, I would recommend people at least give it the chance of the get to level 60 before you need to pay anything. Um, foolishly, I just decided to go balls deep, all in, and get the ultimate complete edition or whatever it costs. Of course, cost. you did. Yeah, I, I don't think the thirty pounds a month's worth of the, the subscription, including some of the extra content that I got, all the DLC, was actually too much of a high price point. It wasn't. It definitely didn't put me off playing it. What I would probably recommend people do is give it a go, get to level sixty, and then if it's actually worth your cash, I would uh, go in for the DLC. But I tend to prioritize games like that by the number of friends that I currently have playing it, and I'm always up for playing a game that friends are playing. So that's a, a pretty big selling point for no, me. Absolutely, man. Um, is it £10 a month once you get into it, like nine ninety nine, or is it...? I think it's around that. I haven't actually looked into the specific monthly yeah. cost, but I think it's sitting around a tenner a month. Yeah. Yeah. So, so similar to Warcraft then? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I think actually when we played World of Warcraft, it was slightly cheaper, but I did look back because uh, two friends of mine have recently been looking to getting into more MMO games, and uh, we were looking initially at playing World of Warcraft. Yeah, well, I think it was slightly cheaper because I, I could be completely wrong about this. I think Classic is slightly cheaper. Well, from memory, I, I'm not sure that actually Blizzard offer a... Uh, a subscription that only gets you one of them. I think that the standard subscription now actually gets you World of Warcraft Classic, plus the Classic expansions, as well as the current World of Warcraft as well. Oh, fair. I, I, I thought we had Classic only, but I, I could be completely wrong, yeah. But just going to throw it out there again, because I like ESO, uh, you know, Elder Scrolls Online, completely free. You obviously buy the game, but no subscription unless you want to be an ESO Plus member, and all that really gives you is some extra items. I don't think they give that enough credit anymore in online gameplay. Um, I think that actually the fact that you just buy the game and it's it's yours to keep and you can just keep on without needing to pay a monthly subscription seems like a, a great idea. I remember that being one of the uh, big selling points of one of the original MMOs I played. 
um, competitor to World of Warcraft, which was Guild Wars 1 and 2. And they were heavily marketed around the fact that you would just purchase the game and from that point onwards you got all of the DLC and all of the playtime for free. There was no monthly subscription. On top of that, I think personally it looked a little better than World of Warcraft at the time as well. So, okay. Well, I will caveat it by saying, as you just mentioned, that uh, you do have to buy all the DLC in Elder Scrolls Online too. Um, like whenever there's a new chapter, which is what they call it, you do have to buy it. But, um, you know, the base game's big enough, to be honest, for, you know, people like you and I who might not put in all the hours that a hardcore MMO player might put in, you know. Like I say, I'm 40 hours into ESO. I'm level 30-something, and I've got... I've explored two worlds or something. I've got so much more to do in the base game before I even need to start messing with expansions. I think this is a lot of the reason why I struggle to seriously commit to MMOs. It's purely just down to the scale of the game. Um, I end up falling off of a lot of open-world games, ultimately, just because of the time commitment that it takes to actually adequately explore the world as well as complete the campaign. Uh, I'm in a bit of a pickle with Elden Ring at the moment. I was actually speaking with a friend of ours uh, yesterday about Elden Ring, and I it's been now a solid month since I last picked it up. So, uh, you know, I'm hanging around the capital city, I think just after that area. I don't think that that's a spoiler to mention there's a capital city. I don't think so at all. I think um, that's pretty well advertised. And, and to be fair, mate, most people have completed it by now. Not to rub it in. I was about to say, if you know, you know, yeah. you know. <laughs> what I will say is you've probably only got about a quarter of the game left, maybe. I yeah, think you've got I'd... three areas left. And one of the, one of them is optional. I'm uh, Yeah, I mean, I think I'm at a pretty much good point in the game to be able to actually finish it in terms of my level. It's just been one of those ones that I've fallen off. I've played other games in the in the meantime. Yeah, been uh, there. Final Fantasy XIV being one of them. I think it's, it's purely just due to the scale of the game. It takes me quite a bit of time to ever actually complete those titles, purely based on the fact that I need to... I feel the need to explore the maps as much as I can, and uh, that often takes me a long time because I am very pernickety and like to explore every nook and cranny. And to be fair, man, in Elden Ring, that's totally understandable. It's a lovely world to be in. There's plenty to explore. I mean, I've, I've put 110 hours into the game or something like that. I, I don't know how much that was idle time, but and I didn't catch everything. Like, you know, I remember, you know, you told me about a cave and I was like, shit, I don't think I did that. Just went and then go back and did it. So... Loads of things to play in that game, to see in that game. So understandable that you'd want to take your time, to be fair. Yeah, which is in stark contrast to Final Fantasy XIV Online, where I'm just absolutely whizzing past every cutscene and dialogue piece as fast as I can, because I just want to click on things and press <laughs> a bunch of number keys. That's that's where I'm at with that Make game. those numbers go up, man. Got to be done. Um, I completely forgot to mention that my character on Final Fantasy is a archer rabbit boy. I'm the male variant of a Viera. Um, I am a archer class at the moment, although I am looking to get into the bard class. I was told that I need to follow the archer route before I end up as a as as a bard. Um, but yeah, the uh, <laughs> the character is modelled off a kind of a humanoid uh, version of my pet rabbit Bjorn. Nice. Uh, he's nice. called Bjorn. Yeah. Uh, in the MMO, so uh, yeah, having a having a great time playing as a weird rabbit boy that is kind of, you know, I mean, it is possible to be cat people as well, but I was done with that trope, and the moment I saw those rabbit ears, that was really what sold to me the buying the complete edition of the game. 
I had to buy the complete edition to be able to play as the rabbit from level one. So honestly, that was my main justification for dropping 35 quid on it. And that's absolutely fair enough, mate. In my I needed opinion. to be a rabbit boy. Yeah. I needed it. Needed it. I suppose that uh, we've probably lingered enough on Final Fantasy XIV. Um, so the other main game that's worth mentioning this week that I've been playing is Earth Defense Force 4.1. Oh, hello. So this is absolutely the type of game that I would recommend to anyone that's a fan of the movie Starship Troopers. Um, it's a third-person action game. The main premise of the game starts off as you're attacking giant bugs such as ants and spiders. It slowly progresses on to aliens and you're fighting alien spaceships. In this current version of it, you actually move all the way up to fighting dragons. You have a Godzilla mecha fight in the middle of it where you actually jump inside a giant mecha that gets dropped on the battlefield. The budget for the game clearly isn't very high. Uh, they're obviously cutting a lot of corners in terms of some graphical fidelity in comparison <laughs> to modern titles. Uh, a lot of the buildings and physics in the game is heavily simplified. Uh, they're clearly trying to cut down on the amount of resources generated by the game, but the result of that does allow you to play a game where you're fighting amongst a city where every single building is destructible down to rubble. It might not look pretty as it's falling, but it's possible to flatten a city, which is the main sort of takeaway. It offers four different classes in terms of gameplay, and they're all quite varied. You play as a soldier who is your typical ground grunt. He gets very powerful weapons, kind of medium health, and is able to uh, heal nearby allies if you're able to find health packs. So any health pack he picks up will heal nearby allies that are under your command. That's quite neat. You get allies under your command just by walking near people that are able to be brought onto your team, and, and then they, they start following you around, essentially. So it's like picking up groupies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, EDF groupies. Um, it then progresses onto... So you can also play as the Wing Diver, which is a jetpack-equipped character. They have much more sort of laser beam weapons, whereas the soldier has more conventional shotguns, assault rifles, and things like that, whereas the... The wing divers are kind of very sci-fi, uh, lots of laser beam rifles, plasma guns, and things like that. Then you also have the fencer class, which is essentially like a mini Gundam. You're kind of a, a guy in a mecha suit. Uh, you're much slower than the soldier or the wing diver, particularly the wing diver, because they have the best agility in the game. The fences are equipped with a mixture of melee weapons and things like cannons, uh, rocket launchers, missile launchers, homing missiles, those sorts of things. Uh, melee weapons include uh, a giant punching fist that just operates on a piston. You also get uh, a big sword, you get a scythe, you get hammers that are able to hit the ground and create waves of destruction in front of them. So they're very much your kind of berserker brawler class that are able to get in close. They have a lot more health than the wing diver or the soldiers, but they're able to uh, put out a lot of damage in a short space of time. Would they? Would you say that's the tank class? Yeah, absolutely. Without a doubt, that is. That's almost the uh, the absolute definition of a tank class. That is them them dudes. Those fences. Nice. And then the fourth and final class is the engineer class, which is very much your support type of class. They're able to call in airstrikes and things like that, as well as call in vehicles. 
they start off with a, a money balance at the beginning of the each of the levels, and they're able to call in tanks and other types of vehicles like that, jeeps, I believe, just to support the battlefield, transport people like the fencers around the battlefield so that they don't need to struggle themselves. So there's absolutely a team element in that game. You can tell that they would like you to actually play as a team, variety of classes to be able to play together and enjoy. As opposed to having four tanks. Well, I think that the game is actually designed so that you're not able to overload with classes, particularly the engineer. That It specifically yeah. does say, if you're going to play this class, this is intended for co-op play to some degree sort of thing. I, I think that they're not particularly viable to play on their own. Yeah. Whereas the Wing Diver class, although they have so little health, they're so mobile that you can absolutely fly around the whole map. And whenever you end up in trouble or surrounded, you can just fly away to safety. So that was the class that took us through. The main reason why I'm bringing up this game is because I actually completed it uh, just a few days ago with a good friend. Uh, we finally got to the last level, we found the alien hive that was trying to consume the earth, and we were able to destroy the brain, get rid of the dragons, get rid of the bugs, and finally do it. 98 levels, all in all. Uh, hard four. We completed it on easy, uh, <laughs> which feels like a bit of a cop-out. But we were starting the game on normal. Uh, we were struggling with normal difficulty. So we, we caved in, absolutely caved, and we ended up playing it on easy because we were... It, there seems to be weird difficulty spikes in the game. It's not like every level is as hard as the one previous to it. You'll have certain levels where it's just an absolute nightmare, a complete chaos of alien spaceships, dragons, ants, spiders, wasps, giant alien ships that are deploying more bugs as you go, nests that are emitting bugs as you go. And then the next level is fairly straightforward. You just need to shoot some giant alien robots that are walking towards you, kind of humanoid alien robot things. Not necessarily a bad thing, but inconsistent. Yeah, inconsistent in difficulty is a really yeah. good way to put it. Absolutely. It's the kind of thing where you need to kind of play it at uh, the difficulty that you'd normally play it as. And then every so often you just kind of need to admit defeat. <laughs> it definitely scales that each of the weapons that you pick up they're kind of based around, um, there's sort of like a uh, a scaling for each of the levels where they will essentially drop different weapons based on a handful of levels in sequence. So you start off with three levels and there will be a dice roll chance that you'll get in a certain set of weapons. And then after a level or two, there will be a dice roll for a different pool of weapons. So you kind of need to progress through, but as you play through the difficulties, you also will get higher level weapons. So for instance, you play level two on easy mode, you'll probably be getting level two weapons. You play level two on inferno mode, you may, you'll be getting levels that are significantly higher than level two. So it's almost as if the game intends you to play the game through multiple times. If I'm honest, it seems like the game actually wants you to play through every single level as every single class on every single difficulty. Makes sense. Get the most replayability out of your game. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, they've really got the most out of those 98 levels. <laughs> 98 levels? Jeez, damn. I mean, it really does vary, like, uh, the length of the levels. Some of them you'll be done in a matter of minutes. Some of them will take you 20, just because, as I say, the difficulty level is sort of all over the place. Yeah. But it's an enjoyable game, and it's something I played the previous title. I think it was like it was one of the, it was like Earth Defense Force twenty forty two. Although I know I'm getting that number wrong because that's <laughs> Battlefield. But 
Um, yeah, I've enjoyed all the titles that I played, and I'm looking forward to playing Earth Defense Force Five when it next goes on sale during some sort of winter sale. I assume will be <laughs> the the next one available to me. Yeah, I was going to Shocktober probably next. So I think we've probably definitely spent enough time on our catch up. So with that, we might as well move on to the next section of the podcast, which is current gaming news. Um, So I'll take us away with the first point. Uh, So I read an article earlier today uh, from PC Gamer. The Death Stranding is coming to Xbox Game Pass. Pretty big news. Yeah, absolutely. Um, As you know, I've spoken to you at length how much I enjoy playing the title on my first run. Uh, And I've, of course, since picked up the director's cuts of Death Stranding, which I've enjoyed playing as well. They seem to have added a fair amount of content. Um, The amount of DLC available to you in that seems to be a significant step up from the original version, which I suppose is a good time to mention that the director's cut of Death Stranding doesn't appear to be coming to Game Pass. Controversial. Yeah, absolutely. It's only the original version of Death Stranding available at launch coming to the xbox it does seem like a little bit of an own goal though to be releasing it on xbox but not giving the director's cut the director's cut is new enough that you would have thought that maybe they do that but i guess you know if they're giving it away for well not for free because you obviously have to have the games pass subscription but if they're essentially giving you the game for free or if to all members of that have the subscription then maybe that's why they didn't do director's cut but i would have thought it makes sense to put the newest version on right I can only assume that the reason why they didn't include the director's cut was some sort of licensing issue. Uh, I mean, a lot of Death Stranding is, uh, includes a lot of music that's potentially copyrighted, as well as some cross-content from other games, although I can't imagine why any of the cyberpunk cross-content would be uh, not allowed on Xbox. The only thing I can take a stab at is that it comes down to some sort of licensing issue or some sort of exclusivity rights that Sony may or may not have had over the time uh, over the director's cut version of the game. Yeah, it just seems weird because obviously the director's cut's also out on PC and I, I know that more Sony games are moving on to PC now. Fingers crossed that Bloodborne and Demon's Souls make it over, but, you know, I'll believe it when I see it. But it, So it just seems weird to me that they wouldn't have it on Xbox 2, but, you know... As you say, licensing is a complicated beast, so maybe there's something like that. Personally, I'm just happy that more people are going to be able to play Death Stranding. Uh, it's a it's a game that uh, I really, really enjoyed playing at the time. Compared to the average gameplay time of that title, I actually spent quite a considerable amount of time more uh, in it following the actual conclusion of the game, as well as just during, I think even the initial segment, I was very surprised when they uh, revealed to me the next area of the game. I think I'd probably spent at that point around 20 hours in the tutorial area, as essentially, of the game, just enjoying the fact that I was five-starring everyone, <laughs> building my connections, building, a, you know, better routes through the landscape. Um, I probably won't get uh, too much into my love of Death Stranding. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure that we'll have more time to uh, to talk about that later. One quick question, though. Do do we know if it's cross-play? Because when you've described Death Stranding, I've played it a little bit, but I haven't gotten fully into it. You've described that it's a very sort of communal game in the sense that routes that some people may have taken end up you know making your world a bit different so to me having crossplay would really give an extra dimension to that mechanic because you'd have you know potentially triple the amount of people doing stuff which could lead to some really cool routes some 
higher excavations of the current routes. You know, it might be interesting. To my knowledge, uh, despite the overall message and theme of Death Stranding, I don't think they've been able to break down that wall, unfortunately. Uh, typical Sony. Typical Sony. <laughs> I don't necessarily think that Sony's entirely responsible, although you could well be right, considering that they were the uh, the original holders of that title until yeah. they had brought it to PC. And they're traditionally cock blocks when it comes to crossplay as well. Right, okay. Um, so, I mean, I suppose it kind of makes sense, given that Microsoft producing Xbox, also producing the majority of PCs. So, I mean, yeah, it, it kind of makes sense that they would be opening up the channel before Sony. It sounds like Sony were holding on to the, uh, the benefits of having uh, a lot of exclusive titles that were in demand throughout the last generation or two. I understand it from a business standpoint, but from the love of games standpoint and for the gaming community at large, uh, they need to sort their shit out. Which is why I suppose it's, you know, as we've said, it's a really good thing that Death Stranding is appearing on Games Pass. Um, it's yet another reason to eke some more value out of your Game Pass subscription if you haven't played it already. Um, and I couldn't recommend that game more than enough. Two people that are prepared to enjoy a mixture of a sort of exploration slash traversal experience. Um, I will say that the walking simulator comparisons that a lot of you know, we're featuring quite heavily in some of the initial reviews. Um, they're not entirely unjustified, although that there is, you know, quite a few more mechanics to it than that. But personally, if you enjoy a game that is going on an adventure, an exploration with an intriguing and very slowly drip-fed storyline, then it's definitely the sort of thing for you. Um, there's a lot of complexity that goes down later down the line. And you will spend uh, the majority of the game wondering what it is that you're actually seeing. Uh, but the conclusion is very satisfying, is what I would say. Not to mention, you get to look at Norman Reedus the whole time. Yeah, I mean, you get to also, you know, there's more than one. There's plenty of shower scenes with Norman Reedus. So, uh... Sexy bastard, Norman Reedus. <laughs> <laughs> on and that on that hot, note. <laughs> yeah, and on that note, we'll move on to our next topic, which is an article from Games Radar. Uh, so an article released earlier by Games Radar details delays on the title High on Life until December 2022. Uh, so High on Life is a first-person title developed by Squanch Games, who is headed up by Justin Roiland, who is the well-loved creator of the Rick and Morty series. Uh, the reason for the delay uh, is bug squashing. From initial looks at the title, I've I got to be honest, I haven't paid a huge amount of attention to this game. Have you seen much of this yourself, James? I have not seen a huge amount on this game. I'm, I'm aware that it's uh, essentially a first-person shooter with comedic elements. I believe there's things such as talking guns and the like, which, you know coming from the creator of rick and morty that's going to be pretty entertaining i feel also shout out to squanch games if anyone knows the rick and morty series the squanch reference doesn't go unnoticed like it i have no problem with this story i i think it's actually quite refreshing to see a game saying look guys we need to do some more bug squashing the game is not ready for release we're going to delay it for a few months you know after the massive commercial failure that was cyberpunk in terms of how hyped that game was um, and you know also things like anthem which when it came out was essentially unfinished and I think there was a bug where level one characters were getting teleported to the final boss, like through a bug. And it just seems mental to me that that got released. 
I mean, it does seem to be a, a prevailing issue in, in games these days. These games are coming out too fast and they're not polished enough, which seems to, uh, you know, as you've rightly said, was uh, an issue that Cyberpunk faced. Yeah. Uh, it's probably the, the best example of, of that in the modern age of gaming. Yeah, as I say, that and Anthem. The difference is Cyberpunk's recovered somewhat. Anthem's just shocking. They've ceased all support for Anthem at this point. is is dead in the water. Yeah. I think it was dead in the water about two days after it released, mate. If I'm being honest, with you. <laughs> I think um, that it's one of those cases where honesty is the best policy. Uh, with these, bugs, you know, I, I think that it's it's good that they came out and said it. Um, it's definitely a title that I'll be playing when it does release. Um, I think the you could be forgiven for thinking based on some of the gameplay that I've seen of this game that it's actually just a Rick and Morty game. I mean, what you'll notice prominently is a lot of the guns that I've heard so far actually just sound like characters straight out of Rick and Morty. Um, actually, particularly Morty's voice, one of the guns in particular, and the narrator of the trailer appears to sound exactly like Morty. It's not a bad thing. No, absolutely not. You know, it's, it's kind of that staple voice. Um, I suppose it's... Perhaps, I mean, it could be construed as a bit of a lazy choice, having such a recognisable voice for such a popular character, um, essentially emulated for uh, for a game to be the voice of the gun, or a voice of one of the guns that you get to feature. Um, but at the same time, I would see it as a sort of a, a familiarity thing, which is actually quite nice. You kind of, it immediately sets the tone, you know what you're up for, it has a similar kind of rambly, disconnected vibe, uh, you know, in some of the way that some of the characters speak. So I think that all in all, provided that the humour lands and it's used well and they actually make a good use of the voice acting, uh, then I think that this game could be one of the next sort of better comedy titles out there, which, you know, as we both know, they're quite prone to flop a lot of the time. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm certainly intrigued. I'm a big fan of Rick and Morty. I find the humour is right up my street. So looking forward to seeing how this game develops. And once again, I say kudos to the uh, to Squanch Gaming for actually having the balls to delay it until it's ready. I respect that. And it's actually, you know, in a weird way, makes me more hyped for the game because it feels like they're doing it the right way. If they're taking the time to make this game the best that it's going to be, then that's only a good thing as far as I'm concerned. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more, mate. Okay, uh, so with that, we'll move on to our next article, which is from thegamer.com. Uh, so the Iron Man open world game that's been developed by Avalanche Studios has been cancelled. So Avalanche Studios, who some people may be familiar with the Just Cause series, uh, the co-founder Ben Hansen has recently explained that due to company politics... And the demands made by Marvel on the studio would have broken the studio completely. As opposed to releasing Just Cause 4, which was hot steaming pile of doo-doo. I'm sure that didn't break the company, did it? Oh, well, I mean, I would have been really interested to see an Iron Man title that gave you a similar level of freedom and sandbox capabilities. Being able to fly around, hit people with the laser beams and the, uh, the missiles and things like that. I think that that would have been a, a really... Well, it could have been a potentially fun experience. It could have also been, as you said, a hot mess of doo-doo. I mean... If they make it like Just Cause 2, then fine. Give me all of that. That was a decent game. Just Cause 3, a like a fair drop-off. And Just Cause 4 was just trash. I didn't play it for long, admittedly, but trash. <laughs> 
they seem to change up the theme of Just Cause 4 and it went down a bit of a darker route ever so slightly, but it just ended up making it feel more bland as opposed to yeah. more sinister. Yeah, and it just, something felt off with it. I wouldn't say it was broken because that's a little bit too harsh, but it just, something wasn't right with it. Whereas Just Cause 2, felt it felt like it hit a lot more. It was, you know, serious but funny. The destruction was there, you know. It was, like you said, great fun parachuting about and almost uh, having the constant parachute where you'd sprint a bit, jump up and, like, ride on cars and things to get momentum and stuff. That was yeah. all really fun. And as you say, having the ability to do that in an Iron Man suit sounds great on paper, but since Just Cause 2, I've just... I've personally lost quite a lot of faith with Avalanche Studios the way three and four turned out. And I don't, I think critically they were received similarly to my opinion. Yes, absolutely. I definitely know there's a lot of people out there would agree with you there. That said, I'm interested to hear more about these demands made by Marvel on the studio and how they would have broken the company completely. Um, so I assume that this may have something to do with the poor reception of the Marvel Avengers previous title. Uh, obviously not produced by the same studio, but I can appreciate that Marvel wanting to land a kind of a hole-in-one after Guardians of the Galaxy, which was particularly well-received as well. And they'd kind of want that trend to be carrying on. Um, I can only assume that the things that they were asking of Avalanche Studios just weren't possible at the time, or, or weren't possible due to the capabilities of the studio in terms of the the severe asks. But I would be really keen to know more about what these specific asks were. Were they kind of... I mean, I, I, I doubt that this was due to game polish. I think that this was probably due to just getting an idea off the ground and fluidity of gameplay and things like that. And sadly, probably money. Yes, that probably had a lot to do with it. Although we do know that Marvel is now owned by Disney and they're able to chuck quite a bit of money around. I think that if the money was there and they were able to pull this off with Avalanche Studios, I think that that wouldn't have... Uh, I get the feeling that money isn't the issue here. I think that this is literally due to pure manpower issues and, uh, and, and you know, capabilities of, of a studio of that size. Yeah, but the, you see, the, I, I do agree with you because obviously Disney can do what they want. They have billions and billions of dollars, pounds, whatever currency you want to use. But the phrasing of it would have broken the studio to me suggests that they were asking for too much with too little budget. So I don't, and which seems weird, because as you say, Disney should, you know, something like the Iron Man franchise as well, you know, that, you know, the movies were huge, the Avengers movies were huge. And I feel like the Avengers game, um, which flopped massively, that had quite a big budget and still flopped. Yeah, you're not so, wrong there. So Absolutely. I just wonder, are they maybe giving less money to Avalanche because of the money they will have almost certainly, if not lost, certainly burnt away with the Marvelous Avengers game? It sounds budgetary, but like you say, it almost seems impossible that it is. I do get the feeling there that there is also an implication of timing. I mean, Broken the Studio completely could well just be, uh, you know, as we were talking about earlier, a sign of a sign of the crunch that's often associated with release of gaming titles, um, particularly ones that are going to naturally draw a lot of attention, like anything produced by Marvel, particularly an open-world Marvel game. Yeah. Uh, so asked to produce a title in that short space of time, surely you know it's going to be sort of considered as a Marvel follow-up to Guardians of the Galaxy, you know, if not in terms of uh, you know gameplay and things like that, I think it would definitely be seen as the next 
big Marvel title out there, uh, you know, provided that there isn't some sort of shadow drop of a new Spider-Man <laughs> title or something like that. Yeah. Did you ever play the Guardians of the Galaxy game? I didn't actually, but that's been a game that's been sat on my wish list for quite some time. Um, I'm again just waiting for it to come on sale. Either way, it definitely looked like uh, an improvement on the Marvel Avengers title. Absolutely not. I haven't played that either, but uh, I've seen the gameplay of that, and we'll leave it there because I like Marvel and I don't want to bitch about Marvel too much. But uh, hey, <laughs> go play it if you like Marvel and let me know. <laughs> So I suppose uh, we should probably get on to our next topic, James, which is the... I'm excited about this one. (laughs) So this is the much-awaited Games Challenge, uh, as of yet untitled section. We're just going with Games Challenge. Uh, I'm quite excited because this week is my week to reveal my challenge to James. And I can't wait for this. I'm very, very excited to see what you've got in store. Yeah, absolutely. I'll explain the premise very quickly. Uh, So each week we're planning on challenging each other to a game. We will take turns in terms of who is the challenger and the challengee. These games are going to be games that one of us is very familiar with and we see the opportunity for the other one to expand their gaming knowledge with a title that they so far may have ignored, not yet completed or not given a fair chance in the opinion of the other person uh, who's recommending the challenge. Uh, So this week, I'm very excited to reveal that the game that I will be asking James to play is... Dun-dun-dun! We're going to probably maybe... Drum roll, insert drum drum roll roll, Insert drum roll, maybe. We'll see, maybe. We'll see. I'm editing this week, so we'll see. We'll see what happens here. Okay, so without further ado, the game that I'll be revealing to James is... Bioshock. Bioshock. So Bioshock is a title that we've discussed before. I'm personally a huge fan of the Bioshock series. Uh, Bioshock 1 I first played on the Xbox 360 and I've since played the remastered version on the PlayStation 4. Um, It's a series that really opened up my eyes to the possibilities of, at the time, next-gen gaming. Uh, The introduction to that series, um, I'm very excited for James to be able to experience Bioshock, not for the first time. I'm I'm conscious that you have actually played Bioshock Infinite. But I've never played Bioshock 1 or 2. Bioshock is set in a completely different setting to Infinite. You're actually deep underwater in a city. Um, Your introduction to the game follows a plane crash which lands you amongst a lighthouse which you use to then travel down to an as-of-yet unknown underground water city called Rapture. Is that the same lighthouse from Infinite? Just that. So the lighthouse is continuous, however they are different lighthouses. Got you. Because you go up in that one rather than down, so I guess it makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, So I'm really looking forward to you playing this title, James. Um, I don't really have any particular stipulations as to how you got to play it. Um, I would say that it's acceptable to play this game on easy mode so that you're able to enjoy the storyline. However, I'm sure that I can see by the way that you're screwing up your face that you're already going to stick this on a higher difficulty there. I think that the main... I might play on normal. I don't know if I'll play on... uh, I won't play on easy. We'll play on normal. What I would say is that some of the harder difficulties in this game mode are only really noticeable when you come up against some of the more difficult enemies. It's quite easy to glide through the game, not having any trouble until you'll come to a particular set of enemies in the game. 
Um, I don't want to tell you a huge amount about the game, but why don't you start by telling us what you already know about it, seeing as that you do have some experience with the series. Yes, so uh, I've never played the first one. I was aware that it was in Rapture, and I know about the underwater setting. Uh, I know bits and bobs about some of the enemies, like I'm aware of the big daddies and the little sisters and things like that. That's what I mean when I say I know. I know nothing else, though. I don't know any gameplay. I don't know any of the characters. I have the Bioshock collection already. So, you know, I just need to install it and it's ready to go. Always a bonus. Um, So, no, a very strong opener for the first challenge, mate. I'm I'm genuinely excited to play this. It's going to be fun. Yeah, great. I'm really looking forward to hearing how you get on next week. Uh, I think that until then, we'll probably keep kind of radio silence about it. So we've got plenty to talk about. But I'm I'm really looking forward to hearing your opinion. It's a game that I have gone back to play multiple times. I've probably completed it about three or four times uh, since first picking it up. Um, yeah, genuinely, it's one of my top five games of all time. But um, yeah, no, very much looking forward to hearing how you've got on next week when you're giving me your summary of the game. And I'm looking forward to hearing out what you did enjoy, what you didn't enjoy, um, and what you think of the storytelling as well as um, how the game's aged, actually, because although the remaster has improved the graphics, uh, the gameplay is very much still the same. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I think that it'll be interesting to hear your take on that as well. Yeah, and uh, I very much look forward to giving it a go. It really puts the pressure on me to give you something good next week, but let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. I will do my utmost to uh, complete it, but, you know jobs and that things like that get in the way sometimes which is a bit of a shame but uh hey i'll give it my best go um you know should be all right it is i think it's probably you know will it take longer than 40 or 50 hours do you reckon 40 or 50 hours i don't think it's that long no 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 i I think that this is uh, a jobby that is absolutely doable within a week um if you put enough time aside to finish it i would say that this game probably would take you anywhere between 12 to 15 hours oh wow that's short yeah i mean you can absolutely engage with a lot of the exploration in the game there's plenty of things to find plenty of audio tapes uh audio tapes to discover that's kind of one of the main ways that they delivered the law. Well, you know me, Although, I'll be looking around. Um, I'll be looking everywhere, every look and nook and cranny, so. I'm sure, but I definitely think that this is doable. Uh, you are given a waypoint for most of your main objectives that you essentially just need to follow through the areas. Um, in terms of gameplay, I would compare it uh, to some of the previous titles, uh, like System Shock, but also things closer to uh, Prey and things like that, where you're provided a a world to explore but the objective is fairly easy to to follow through that as well it really allows you to either plow through the game or take your time uh the main factor for exploration is purely resources it's things like ammo it's things like being able to hack machines and uh, get them on your side and stuff like that yeah, well looking forward to giving in explore man I, I hear many great things about the world rapture so uh looking forward to checking it out firsthand can't stress enough how strong I th- a strong a first choice I think this is. I'm very, very excited to get get my teeth stuck into Bioshock. Okay, James. Uh, so I think that we've come towards the end of the podcast now. It's time to close off. 
Um, I know that we've discussed quite a few other things. I really enjoyed your talks around Darkest Dungeon, and I'm very much looking forward to trying Coffee Talk. I can see that that's probably more likely to be the title that I pick up sooner rather than later. Um, however, Darkest Dungeons has been on my backlog for a while. So very much looking forward to getting into that. Yeah, no, I can't recommend either title enough. Uh, I think uh, Coffee Talk, again, it's just a very, very quick experience. I, I wouldn't recommend buying it at full price, if I'm being honest with you. feel bad saying about that because, uh, unfortunately, the guy who wrote and invented the game uh, passed away tragically recently. And I believe that all proceeds are going to support his family and stuff. So I do feel a little bad about saying get it on a sale. <laughs> um, but... Uh, you know, it's you know, I got it for about six pounds, I think, and that's what I'd expect. I think it's only like ten to fifteen pounds full price, to be fair. But, um, but no, you know, if you're just looking for something to spend, sink a couple of hours in, it's it's really therapeutic. It's really relaxing. It's good fun. You can draw latte art. I didn't mention that earlier, but you can spend hours in latte art if you want. You know, go nuts. Um. Oh, it sounds like a really fun game, but uh, fuck that guy. I guess get it on discount. Yeah. That's a nice way to end the podcast, isn't it? Yeah, um, real dark, real <laughs> dark. Okay, so next we're on to takebacks and apologies. I knew that I included this section. Uh, I'd like to apologise for my comments there, which hopefully won't make the edit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I too enjoyed uh, hearing about the games you've been playing, man. I mean, um, Earth Defence Force is something that uh, it intrigues me because it, it. I think it's fair to say it doesn't look great, but the gameplay looks really fun. I think that's uh, an absolutely fair observation. Yeah. The graphics and things like that are quite dated, but the pure, enjoyable gameplay that it offers is pretty unrivaled, in my opinion. Yeah. So absolutely looking forward to hitting up a new playthrough of that at some point, where I'll be trying out some of the different classes. Yeah, and maybe there's a, maybe there's a little cheeky co-op opportunity for Earth Defense Force if I pick it up. That as well as Final Fantasy XIV online. I mean, you've got the opportunity to check out the up to level 60 free pass. Yeah. So, you know, maybe one day, who knows, who knows, we could be uh, battling away. Uh, so, yeah, I suppose we'd also better announce our Twitch handles just for the people to, the listeners to pick up. Uh, so once again, I go by Hoodafunk on Twitch and James. Uh, and you can find me on Twitch uh, at Mr. Bames underscore TPM and look out for me this week because there's a very strong chance that I'll be streaming my playthrough of Bioshock. So if you want to check that out and see how I get on, see if I suck ass and struggle with all these, you know, tough underwater enemies potentially, you know, go come check me out. I'll certainly be stopping by and checking out the stream as well. So yeah, absolutely looking forward to how you get on. I'll be taking a sneak peek at how you've been getting on in the week, but I'm really looking forward to your review of the game at the end next week on the pod. Absolutely. And you can also find us uh, at Total Pod Mode on all of the platforms, uh, Twitter, TikTok, Reddit. Uh, I'm sure there's more that I'm missing out, but... Discord, Discord YouTube. All the, all the places. And that's Total Pod Mode, all one word, no spaces. Come check us out. And let us know what you think of the podcast. Let us know if you've got any ideas, any suggestions. Let us know if you want us to talk about anything. We'd love to hear from you. Well said, James. I wanted to say thanks to you as well for joining me this week on the podcast. Always a pleasure. Absolute pleasure, my brother. Looking forward to releasing many more. Many more we shall record. Shall we release? I hope we shall. You got it, Yoda. And... <laughs> 
And thanks again to everyone who's listened this far in the podcast. We're very much looking forward to bringing you more gaming content, uh, linking into more streaming content, as well as regular posts on YouTube. Uh, So with that, thanks everyone for listening, and we'll catch you next week. Take care, everyone. Bye.